Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. praise shall continually be in my mouth and one of the reasons I want to praise him is that I have the testimony of that song do I have at least one witness that can say God has rescued your life your life was headed in a certain direction it was moving down a certain path but somewhere along the line God stepped in and God reversed the course and he rescued your life he kept you and he preserved you and if you're thankful, I know you're sitting at home, just give God a virtual praise right there in the chat. If he rescued and preserved your life, let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning or this afternoon. So if you don't mind, let's just give our praise team a virtual amen. We are thankful for their ministry and song today. And also, we just want to thank God for our AV team our Sabbath school panel, our pastoral staff, our deacons on duty, everybody that helped make uh, today's service meaningful and allowed us to be able to bring the gospel right there to where you are. We're excited about that, and I'm excited to be able to share God's word with you one more time. Today, we're going to go ahead and try to move quickly into God's word, but for those who've not been with us, I need you to know that we're in installment number four of a, a sermon series. We started about three weeks ago. About three weeks ago, we started with a message from Exodus 13 called God has a reason for your route. And in that particular week, we learned that when God took Israel out of Egypt, he did not take them the short way. God took them the long way. And one of the things we learned is that when God takes you the long way, sometimes it's not about the route. Sometimes God just wants to build the relationship on the journey. And sometimes we learn from that message that sometimes your route reveals your readiness or lack thereof. The reason he didn't take them through Philistine country is because they were not ready for battle yet. And so sometimes God doesn't take you a certain way if you're not ready for everything you're going to see along that way. And then the week after that, we talked to you under the subject, ordered steps must be orderly. And then we learned that as God took uh, Israel and he took Joseph's body out of Egypt, that God had promised Joseph that 400 years earlier. And we learned that God's promises have no expiration date. And I need you to know that if God's word seems like it's taking a long time to come in the past, I need you to know his word won't return to him void, but it'll accomplish what he pleases and prosper in the thing that he sends it to do. And, and then on last week, we talked on you on the subject, why you want clouds in the forecast. And one of the things that we saw is that God led Israel in a cloud by day. And he led them in a pillar of fire by night. And one of the things that we learned on last week is that sometimes the outer journey is to foreshadow the inner journey. So like as God led them in the cloud, when it was hot outside of the cloud, it was cool inside of the cloud. When it was cold outside of the cloud, it was warm inside the cloud. When it was stormy outside of the cloud, it was calm inside of the cloud. And God is trying to teach us that no matter what it's looking like on the outer circumstance, our inner disposition ought to always be the same because we're covered by the cloud in the person of Jesus Christ. And one of the things we learned is that the Red Sea, we learned that the Red Sea was not an escape plan, it was a battle plan. And that the Red Sea was simply a foreshadowing of the battle of Armageddon because in the Old Testament, God defeated his enemies in a sea. At the end of all time, God is going to destroy his enemies with a lake of fire. And God is going to make all things new. And so with that in mind, we want to go ahead and jump right back into it. I promise you, this is the last time we're going to be in Exodus 13 for a little while. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to go back to verse 17. It's familiar to many of us at this point in time. But I want us to read it again so that we always get a fresh look and a fresh revelation of what God is saying. Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to begin together verse 17. The Bible says, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, 
that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of a cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and by night. And the Bible says, and, and I'm getting a little feedback here in the house. I'm going to just so y'all aware of that. The Bible says, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The word says that he did not take the pillar of cloud away by day or the pillar of fire by night away from the people. Today, I want to talk to you under the subject, ordered steps are not for ordinary people. Ordered steps are not for ordinary people. Let's pray together. Father, once again, in this little while, we pray that you would say much. Father, I again ask for permission to join my human weakness to your divine strength. And Lord, I'm praying that you would give clarity in the word, that you would give us truth in the word, that we would find understanding in the word, that we would gain hope in the word. So Lord, once again, would you hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We pray this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Christ we pray. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Again, talking to you under the subject, ordered steps are not for ordinary people. <clears throat> you know, saying sometimes in my spare time, I like to sit down and watch these real estate television shows. I've just become very fond of the process of watching people build and sell and acquire property. And I remember this one particular episode, there was this developer who built a very unique style house. And understand that this house had a very artistic flair and flow to it. In fact, this house was built more for entertaining and a little less for actual living. And in terms of balance, it veered more in terms of aesthetics than it did to practicality. So that when the builder met with the agent, the agent was very complimentary. He let him know that you built a very beautiful house, but he said, I think the problem is that the house is a little bit too specific. He tried to get him to lower the price because he felt that there was not that many people looking for this type of house. In other words, he saw the house as less valuable because it would not appeal to the masses. But it's interesting that the developer would stubbornly stand by his price because he was not going to adjust the price to the market. He wanted to base the price on the craftsmanship. In other words, he wanted the realtor to know that the house was not too specific because he built it for a specific type of person. In other words, he said, my house doesn't need to appeal to everyone. It just needs to appeal to the right one. And I love what he said, I'm willing to hold on to it until we find the right buyer. And it's as the show unfolded, the realtor was surprised when there was this specific buyer that came along and he didn't just put in an offer, he actually bought it over asking because this specific house was just what he was specifically looking for. And can I suggest to somebody that you've been created with specific detail by God? 
you ought to rejoice that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I need you to know that you've not been put on the assembly line for mass production, but God has made you with specific detail and gifts and talents and insight. And I need you to know that if you were created for something specific, you won't always have an appeal that is general so that your value can't be based on comps. Your value is based on craftsmanship. In other words, your developer didn't make you for everyone. Your developer made you for the right one. And it's funny because sometimes we feel a certain way if we apply for 10 jobs and we only get called back for one. Sometimes we get in our feelings if sometimes we apply to seven schools, but we only get accepted into two. Sometimes we feel less valuable because we try to befriend many, but it's only reciprocated by a couple. Sometimes we get frustrated when not enough people are showing romantic interest. Sometimes we get angry when we're looking for a house, but we only see one or two good options. And what I want to say to somebody today is don't get discouraged because of slim options. In other words, you don't need many options if you are created for a specific task. See, how many of us know that you are not created to do every job? You are created for a specific job. I wasn't anointed to pastor every church. I was anointed to pastor this church. You are not assigned to be married to 10 men. You are designed for a specific man. God has not designed for the masses to be your friend. But if you got one or two ride or die, then you ought to be glad with this. In other words, God has a specific job. He has a specific spouse. He has a specific ministry. He has a specific task. In fact, this sermon ain't going to be for everybody, but I know that it's in line for somebody. In other words, because everybody's not calling, don't you start messing with the price tag. Don't you start messing with the appraisal because your value is not based on opinion. Your value is based on craftsmanship. You've got a specific calling, so don't worry about having general appeal. Do I have a witness today? In fact, let me say it this way. It's crazy. I've read an article on certain luxury brands that never, ever go on sale. So they say Tom Ford never goes on sale and Louis Vuitton never goes on sale. And even if they put them in other retail stores, when other stuff goes on sale, that stuff is going to be excluded. You can't get it discounted. And one of the things that Tom Ford said in the article is he says that I believe every piece is a masterpiece. And he says, I stand by my product. And that's why it never ever goes on sale. It's why you'll never ever be able to get it on cheap. And I just need to know, do I have any masterpieces in the room that realize that God says I stand by my product? So I'm never going to cheapen it. You don't never need to lessen it. You can know that you've got value not on comparables, but your value is based on the craftsmanship. Can the church say amen today? And so today, let, let's get back into this word and let's unpack this a little bit further. I need you to look at a couple of different texts with me. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 12. Genesis 15 and verse number 12. Genesis chapter 15 and let's verse number 12 and let's frame some things together today. Genesis 15 and verse 12 and you see God making a specific promise to Abraham. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Genesis 12, 15 and verse 12, the Bible says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to him, Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. I wish I had a church with me today. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall return right here. Now go with me, if you don't mind, over to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and I want us to look together here at uh, verse number 35. Exodus chapter 12, and I want us to look at verse 35. When you get to let me hear you say amen. 
Exodus 12 and verse 35, the word of God says, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. And the Bible says that they plundered the Egyptians. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? Now, I need you to understand that once again, this narrative has much meaning for us to consider and to entertain. But the first thing it teaches us, beloved, is that when you're under heavy trial, don't focus on how it feels. You've got to focus on what it's forming. Let me say this again. When you're under heavy trial, don't focus on how it feels. You've got to focus on what it's forming. Because the truth is that in every trial, sometimes the difficulty feels arbitrary and wasteful. But the thing you've got to know about God is that God is an efficient Savior. And God doesn't waste a single thing. So you need to know that God ain't going to waste your time. God ain't going to waste your energy. God ain't going to waste your health and I need you to know God won't even waste your hurts on something that won't bring you value are you with me today now I need you to know that you just read something epic in Genesis 15 in Genesis 15 we find out that Egyptian slavery did not catch God by surprise in fact way back under Abraham God said to Abraham that your descendants are going to wind up in a land that is not their own and for 400 years they're going to suffer toil and affliction but I'm going to deliver them after the fourth generation and notice what God says he says the process is going to be toil the process is going to be affliction but the result is going to be that when they come out they're going to come out with great possessions in other words God is saying I'm going to allow this thing to come I'm not going to stop it from happening. I'm not going to block it. But I'm going to allow four generations to suffer so that I can give generational wealth to the next 15 generations. Now, what I need you to be clear on is that slavery is not God's idea. Now, I need you to get this principle that everything God can see coming, it doesn't mean that God willed what was coming. In other words, when God describes the slavery, he's simply saying what they going to mean for evil. I'm going to turn it around and use it for your good. He says they're going to come out with great possessions. And it's crazy because Abraham at first is horrified by this dream. But after God begins to unfold it, Abraham is able to have some peace because he realizes it's okay if we suffer in the immediate, if it's going to bless us in the long term. He's saying we can suffer uh, for a short season so that we can receive what God has in store. And let me suggest, saints, that when you're going through an intense season of disappointment, don't focus on how it feels. You've got to focus on what it's forming. Are you hearing me, saints? That's crazy because we look at this and we see Israel walking out with great possessions as, as, as a balanced financial compensation. But one of the things I need to suggest is that through the use of difficulty and hard time, how many of us know that we get some great possessions? See, I, I need somebody listening to know that your greatest possessions cannot be purchased at Walmart or ordered on Amazon.com. I need you to know that when I come out of every trial, I come out of some possessions. Praise. See, how many of us know that faith is a great possession? That patience is a great possession. That contentment is a great possession. That wisdom is a great possession. That forgiveness is a great possession. Is a possession that never fluctuates in value. Now it's crazy because see, I can feel some of y'all at home rolling your eyes at me through the screen saying, Pastor, I realize that these things have great worth, but can't God give them to us in a less painful and difficult way? But in other words, but I need you to get what makes something rare and of great value is that you can't get it everywhere. What makes something special is that you can only get it in one location. 
What makes something rare is you only can get it one, one dealer. And I need you to know that every spiritual virtue we love comes from the dealer that we hate. See, I need somebody to understand that difficulty is the dealer for character development. In other words, I need you to know that his associates are delay, his partners are frustration, his friends are disappointment. And see, the reason that God uses these things is because the truth is you can't go nowhere else and get faith. You can't go nowhere else and get patience. You can't go nowhere else and get uh, uh, character. You can't go anywhere else and get contentment. I believe that if there were an easier way that God would show it to us. But the only reason God uses difficulty is because what you seek, you can't find anywhere else. And I need you to know, I understand that this might not be shouting news, but my prayer is that it is settling news. I, I pray that somebody's perspective is settling, that somebody is, is kind of settling into truth. Because see, I need you to know that God never allows arbitrary pain. God never allows wasteful pain. That the pain you experience is not of that of abandonment or neglect. You see, I need you to know God is not a God of torture. God is a God of development. In other words, the heat that God allows is like unto that of a potter who is watching the vessel inside of the furnace. And he tailors the heat to make sure that the vessel has no cracks or no undone portions. And the thing I need you to remember is that when it gets hard, don't focus on how it feels. You got to focus on what it's forming. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? It's just like this. Uh, you know, I'm in this place in my life where I'm trying to, uh, Doc Hill, keep this preacher's belly down a little bit. And, and it's crazy because, man, one of the things I do is, is in my living room, I get down and I do what I call, what they call planks, where you get down horizontally on your feet and on your elbows. And what it does is it keeps the pressure off of your back, like when you do sit-ups. And it's crazy because, man, when I'm down there doing my planks, I'm there and I'm trembling and I'm, and I'm sweating up a storm and, and the kids are laughing at me. But I need you to know that when you get down about two minutes, your fight stomach begins to feel like it's on fire. I feel like I can't take it no more. But what I do is I hold my position and I ignore how it feels because I want my wife to be impressed by what's for Oh, y'all not hearing me today. In other words, I got to ignore how it feels because I believe in what it forms. And I need you to know that the pain is not wasted. The pain is producing something that's going to bring value to me. And I need you to know that when you're going through, don't focus on how it feels. You got to thank God for what it's about to form. Are you hearing me today, saints? Second thing that, that our story teaches us today, beloved, is that when God brings you out of a trial, somebody received this word today, that when God brings you out, that God is going to bring you out better than the way you went in. Okay, y'all not with me. God is going to bring you out better than the way you get in. So God says, okay, I'm going to allow four generations to suffer. But I'm going to let these four generations go through something so I can ensure the future of the next 15 generations. So the word says in Exodus 12, 35, the word says that they go in in verse 34 and they get silver, they get gold, they get the imported silk, uh, silk and fabrics from the other nations. And the word literally says that they plunder the Egyptians. In other words, Pharaoh literally has to open up his vault. He has to open up his Fort Knox. And the word says that they get whatever they request. And the word says, Dr. Hill, that they plunder the Egyptians. Now watch this, Pastor Lampkin. The word plunder is the Hebrew word nasal. That word plunder literally means to strip. It means to snatch. It means to exhaust. It means to drain the Egyptians. Okay, y'all didn't get this. In other words, God doesn't just give them enough for the journey. But God allows them to decimate the financial economy of the Egyptians. 
In other words, they carry all of the wealth of the Egyptians on their donkeys and on their camels. I need you to know they carry out so much great wealth that Pharaoh says, I got to go and bring them back. In other words, they're not just going to get the people. He sends the army to come and get back his stuff. And notice that the promise of Genesis 12. God says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. But you realize that the down posit was given from Pharaoh's vault as the wealth of the wicked is transferred under the stewardship of the righteous. And so they leave better than they came in. In other words, you got to remember in order to shout how they came into Egypt. Remember, they came into Egypt because of the famine. They, they came there in order to get some of the surplus of grain that Joseph helped them establish during that seven good years that preceded the famine. In other words, they come in with their hands out, but they leave with their hands full. They come in as borrowers, but they leave as lenders. They come in in a deficit, but they leave in a surplus. They come in because they need something, but they leave not needing nothing. Because when God brings you out, God brings you out better than the way you came in. Oh, but then the thing got a little bit better to me, Doc Hill. Because not only, Pastor Boy, did God load them down. God blessed them in such a way that not only does he bring it in, God blesses them in such a way that they ain't even got to spend nothing when they go out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I wish I had a church in here today. See, see, I need you to know that sometimes the greatest financial blessing is not just when God brings it in. But sometimes God blesses you in such a way that nothing has to go out. Are y'all hearing me today? See, y'all got to remember how God does it in the wilderness journey. When they're out in the wilderness for 40 years, do you realize that for 40 years, they ain't got to... Why? Because God is the cloud that cools them at the day and God is the fire that warms them at night. They ain't got to spend money on a shelter because God himself is their shelter. You realize that for 40 years they don't have to buy food because God sent manna every day and he sent a double portion on the sixth day. So they didn't have to gather on the Sabbath and God sent manna until quail was requested. You realize that when they traveled through dry land that they didn't have to lease or spend money to get water from wells because God would literally send water from a rock so that he could satisfy their desires. Do you realize that they don't even have to spend money on health care or doctors because Psalm 105.13 says that he brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person amongst their tribes. You realize that as they went, they didn't even have to buy clothes for 40 years for Deuteronomy 25 says, 29 says, during 40 years, I led you and your clothes didn't wear out, nor did your sandals break. In other words, God blesses them in such a way that they don't have to spend a dime until they cross over into the land of Canaan. And can we just pause and say to somebody, sometimes the best financial blessing is not just when God brings it in. But when God sets you up to where ain't nothing got to go out. Okay, let me say it this way. See, let me just talk to that person. I'm talking about that person that never, ever gets sick and never has to go to the doctor. You realize that when God blesses your health, that's not just a physical blessing. It's also a financial blessing that you ain't got to pay no co-pays. Come on and say amen. See, some of us be tripping that we've been driving the same car for 15 years. Well, maybe you ought to praise God that you ain't had no car payment for the last 11 years. See, some of us realize that the only reason some of us shop for clothes is by choice because God has not allowed your clothes to wear out and he's not caused your shoes to break. I've been in times where just when the kids have outgrown their clothes and I thought we were about to have to go shopping, somebody would call and say, Pastor, I got some clothes that, that are just about your son's size and some shoes that'll fit on your daughter's feet. And I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes God is able to keep you not just by what he sends, but by what he lets you keep. In other words, if you ain't had to go to the doctor, you ought to praise God. If God has kept you out of a car payment, you ought to praise him. 
If your kids are on scholarship and you ain't paying tuition, you ought to praise him. If shopping is a choice, you ought to praise him. If God is blessing your garden so you ain't got to go to the grocery store, you ought to praise him. Praise him. If the roof ain't leaking, you ought to praise him. If the pipes ain't bursting, you ought to praise him. If the car ain't breaking down, you ought to praise him. See, some will only praise him for increase, but I've learned how to praise him for prevention. In other words, he prevents me from having to spend more than what I need to because he prevents and preserves that which he's placed under my stewardship. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So it's funny how God sets it up so that they literally leave better than the way they came in. Now, now, saints, this thing got so good to me because, like, you realize that when the other nations see Israel on this sojourn, they confuse. Like, they all kind of messed up. Like, they, they are baffled. Why? Because their journey doesn't reflect their experience. In other words, like, they are tripping because their experience as slaves should have produced something else. See, they can't reconcile how they can go through that and be living like this. In, in other words, you got this group straight out of slavery, but they walking around in royal garments with gold chains around their neck, gold earrings in their ears, designer sandals on their feet. In other words, they tripping because Israel don't look like what they've been through. Oh God, I, Lord, I, <laughs> they got good to me. See, the reason they're tripping is because the experience of slavery should have produced something else. See, after you come through slavery, they should have been despondent. They should have been decimated. They should have been downcast. But they're walking around like kings and queens and royalty. Why? Because I need you to understand that the pain of trial produces something different than the pain of choice. See, the pain of choice will decimate you. But the pain of trial will equip you. Oh, God. See, I need somebody to know that the witness of Christian experience. It is the mystery of your strength. You see, slavery was a common practice and they to see uh, how they function after their slavery is a testament to the power of God. They marvel because their experience should have yielded a different result. In other words, they, they share the same experience as other folk who come through slavery. Yet their experience has not produced the intended result. And so I need you to understand that we, even as believers, we are not shielded from every bad experience. But because we have the Lord on our side, we are able to function with a different result. And we don't look like what we've been through simply because the hand of God has been upon us. See, I need you, somebody to testify that when daddy is not in the home, it means you're supposed to end up a statistic in jail or on drugs. But I got some folk that are still thriving and doing well, even though daddy wasn't there because the hand of the Lord is upon you. When you get diagnosed with cancer, you're supposed to be downcast and despondent. But I see God's people operating in peace because the hand of God is upon them. When you go through divorce, you're supposed to be angry, vindictive, and bitter. But I see divorced folk with faith who still don't give up their integrity because the hand of the Lord is upon them. I need you to know that when you lose your job, you're supposed to go into a depression. But I see godly people lose jobs and they still come in church praising because the hand of the Lord is upon them. And I guess what I'm saying, what separates us from them is not that we go through different experiences. What separates us is that we have a different source of strength that produces a different outcome. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? It's just like this, man, it's crazy. How like, like, like right here, like even in creation, God set it up to know that because when God puts something on you, it helps you to withstand what everybody else can't withstand. So it's crazy how like right here, like, like on the planet Earth, we're in the same solar system, in the same galaxy with a bunch of other planets that can't have no life. Oh Lord, where y'all at today? 
In other words, we're in the same solar system, yet we're able to produce life when they cannot. And the reason we're able to produce life is because of what God equipped us with. In other words, God gave us an insulated atmosphere. God gave us an ozone layer. God gave us carbon. God gave us water. So even though we're in the same solar system, we still produce a different result. And I just need to know, have you come out of the same solar system? Ask some other folk. You came from the same neighborhood. You came through the same trials. You walked through the same hell, but you still got life. We in the same solar system, but God put something inside of you that's able to keep you and produce life where there should only be death. Somebody ought to say amen today. And so the word says here in Exodus chapter 13, y'all got me preaching happy today. Where it says to us here in verse number 21, that the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead the way in a pillar of fire by night so as they can go by day and by night. And he did not take away the cloud. Uh, let me just stop right there. So, so again, this word is epic saints because the second thing that this word teaches us is that you can't follow the cloud at the same time you follow the crowd. Now, I, I just said something. You, you can't follow the cloud and the crowd at the same time. So, so Pastor Boy, I, I'm not sure if we are appreciating the difficulty of the way God leads them. A Antonia, not only does God not take them the short way, God, God takes them the long way to the Red Sea. But watch this, Brother Kelsey. Not only does he take them the long way, the word says he leads them through the wilderness. In other words, I need you to know that they wanted to go the short way. Why would they want to go the short way? Because the short way is a, is a common path. In other words, they, they want to be on that road where everybody travels, where it is a well-beaten path. It is an already cleared path. It is a well-worn path because everybody is on that road, Kim. Are you hearing me? And see, I need you to understand that on that short road, because so many people go that way, there is commerce on that road. You can buy merchandise on that road. There is food on that short road. But more than anything else, because so many people travel that road, or that desert highway, when you look down in the sand, you can see other people's footprints. So that even if you got lost and were unsure of where to go, all you had to look down and do was look at the footprints and the footprints would reassure you. Are y'all hearing me today? But God takes them through the wilderness. He takes them down a wooded road where, where they don't get to follow a trail. They got to create the trail. They, they don't get to walk in a clear path. They got to take machetes and, 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 and rods and they've got to clear the path. They, they don't get to walk in the path made by others. They've got to go the hard way and make a path for other people to go in. And it's crazy because on this wooded way where nobody goes and nobody travels, there are no directional signs. There is no signs that say go east. There are no signs that say go west. And even if you were unsure of which way you were going because you're walking across root, uh, tree roots in the ground and crab grass in a root, uh, wooded way, when you look down, there are no footprints to let you know you're going the right way. So the only way you could know you're the right way is you couldn't look at the footprints to see where the crowd went because you couldn't follow the crowd. You had to be looking up at where the cloud was leading you. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, I need you to know that God is taking them this way on purpose to teach them that you're not supposed to go down the road that everybody else travels. He's saying, I've got a path that is just for you. I've got a journey that is uniquely yours. You're not supposed to walk in their footsteps. You are called to walk in my footsteps. And God takes them this way out of Egypt to shout down to all generations that you can't follow the cloud and follow the crowd at the same time. 
See, God is saying, because you are mine, your journey is supposed to be different. I need you to know your, your journey, young person, is supposed to be peculiar. You're not supposed to follow in their footsteps. You're supposed to follow in mine. God took them this way because he didn't want you looking down at their footsteps. He wanted you looking up to him for direction. And see, the reason God does this and the reason our faith plateaus so quickly is because we say we want to be like God, but we spend our whole lives imitating people. And see, I need you to understand that they were not designed to look down at the footprints. This literal route was designed to keep them with their eyes fixed on God the entire time of the journey. See, the reason that God could not allow them to walk where there are footprints, because if the footprints went in one direction and the cloud went another direction, they might get confused about which way to go. So God says, I got to remove the options. I got to remove the confusion. Because people's hold on you is so great that you'll be tempted to follow them more than you're willing to follow the clouds. And it's crazy because we shout when we hear, my steps have been ordered by the Lord. And it's crazy because we say we want ordered steps when we spend our whole lives in ordinary steps. So I need you to know that you can't have ordered steps because the ordered steps are not for ordinary people. Oh, help me, Lord. Ordered steps are not for people that want to be like everybody else. Ordered steps are for those that are willing to take the different road. Ordered steps are for those who are willing to take the different journey. And I need somebody to know that you'll never have ordered steps if you use comparison with other people as the metric by which you measure whether or not God is faithful. See, I need you to know that if you're going to have ordered steps, you've got to focus on the cloud more than you focus on their footprints. See, I want to say this to somebody today that you'll never embrace the principle of having ordered steps until you embrace the principle of your own God-designed uniqueness. Okay, let me say this again. You'll never have ordered steps until you embrace your own God-designed uniqueness. So let me ask the question. Let me, let me pose some what-ifs. What if your steps being ordered by God means you don't fit in with the crowd? What if your steps being ordered means that you're the last one to get married in your peer group? What if your steps being ordered means that God moves you in a different direction than the folks you're tight with right now in your 20s? What if your steps being ordered by God means your greatest dreams and visions don't happen? God means that you don't wind up having the same doors open for you the same way they open for everybody else. What if ordered steps means that you don't get to go the easy way, that path that has been blazed by everybody else? What if having ordered steps means that you've got to go away, that nobody else goes, that you've got to go down a path that nobody else has seen? What if it means you've got to blaze the trail? Instead of walking down the road that everybody else goes down. And the question is, are you okay being unique? Different. Like we say, I want to be ordained, but are you okay being set apart from the crowd? That's what ordained means. It means to be set apart. It means to be set aside. It is to be used for something different. Are y'all hearing me today? And see, the reason that some of us will never be okay with uniqueness is because we don't have an original vision. We have a copied vision. See, most people on planet Earth don't have an original vision for their life. They've got a copied vision. It is a copied vision based on this fallacy of the American dream that says I finish school by 22, uh, I get a job by I'm 23, I get married by 25, I'm done having kids by the time I'm 30, I make six figures by the time I'm 35, and I go and live happily ever after the devil is alive. You realize your life never works out just the way you planned it. And the reason you aren't happy, even though you meet all your human markers, you have graduated by a certain time, you're married by a certain time, you got kids by a certain time, you make a certain amount of money, and the reason you still can't get happiness, the reason you still don't have peace, is you cannot have the joy of ordered steps on copied steps. 
You can have the peace of having your steps ordered when your steps are only mimicking somebody else. That's why Ellen White says that you are not to be reflectors of other men's thoughts, but you are to be daily inspired by God to find out God's design for your life. It's crazy, man. I remember one time I was preaching in Canada, and I have a good friend of mine. His daddy makes suits for a living. His daddy makes suits, and it's crazy because, like, he was asking me, he's like, you know, what size suit you were? And I, you know, I was like, you know, 42, whatever it was, long at the time. And it's crazy because he asked me, you know, go ahead and try on the suit. He had a tailored suit that he made that somebody had not picked up. And it's crazy because when I go try on the suit, it is my size. But see, the problem is when a suit is tailored, even if it's your size, it don't hang right. Because it was tailored for somebody else. And see, I need us to understand the reason you won't ever have joy on their journey is because that road was not tailored for you. And see, my question is, what's been the focus of the way you live? I'm asking somebody the question, have you spent your life following the crowd? Or have you spent your whole life following the crowd? Have you spent your life trying to be like him? Or have you spent your whole life trying to be like them? Is Jesus the standard? Or have they become the standard? Have you lived for his approval? Or have you lived to avoid their criticism? And I need somebody to understand that the wilderness and the short route, they are two different paths. And the cloud is not going to go on the path where everybody else is. And you got to make it up in your mind. Am I going to follow the cloud? Or am I going to follow the crowd? My prayer for somebody today, help me Holy Spirit, is that you would be freed from the enslavement of comparison. My prayer is that somebody would cast off the heavy yoke of trying to measure up. See, I need somebody to tell the truth with me today. Isn't comparison an exhausting thing to do where you're always trying to measure up? You're always trying to be like them. You're always trying to fit into a certain mold or a certain, certain silhouette. And see, I need you to understand the reason that comparison is so exhausting is that you can never ever measure up to human ideals. Why? Because even when you get to where everybody else says you ought to be. All they're going to do is move the marker somewhere else so that they can maintain a certain hold or superiority over you. Don't spend your life waiting for them. You got to spend your life trying to follow God. And I, I want some young person to get this because see, this thing you got to understand about the crowd, the crowd will devalue what you do simply because they can't do it. Oh God, I wish somebody was here with me today. It, it's crazy. Like, I remember growing up, I went to public middle school and high school, and I remember, so, so one of the things you should know about your pastor is that I've always been rhythmically, musically challenged, all right? So, so like, every yeah, time in church, people are like, you know, sing, pastor. I'm like, nah, I'm more of a joyful noise worshiper. In other words, my praise cannot be contained with things like notes and harmony and pitch. That's, that's bondage to me. I just be right on the front row, me and Jesus having a good time. And like, you know, not only can I not sing, and listen, I've always struggled, like, like with dancing. So dancing is not really my thing. I play ball in sports, but dancing is not my thing. So I remember like, you know, when we have our school dances, I was like one of those cats that, that like when they was doing the fast dances, I would just be on the wall chilling. And it'd be me and a bunch of other cats that couldn't dance. And what we'd be doing is we'd be mocking the guys that's out there dancing. We wouldn't show up on the floor until the slow dance. I got a witness out there. Y'all acting mighty holy in this room. And it's crazy because like the reason we would stand on the wall and mock those that was dancing was simply because we didn't know how to dance. And what I'm saying to somebody is that those who can't do it will mock you because they don't know how to do what you do. And let me just say, they're going to mock you because you play violin because they can't play violin. They're going to mock you because you're making grades because they're not making grades. They're going to mock you because you're going home to your wife because they ain't got no wife to go home to. She's going to mock you because you can't, you, because you're by yourself because she can't be by herself. People will devalue what you do just because they can't do it. Am I telling the truth? And I want somebody to understand that in Christ, who help me, Holy Spirit. In Christ, listen to this word. In Christ, you are enough. 
This is why I need somebody to understand that emotionally, young person, in Christ, you are enough. I need you to know that, that intellectually, you are enough. I need some young person to understand that physically, you are enough. In other words, you ain't got to have their complexion. You ain't got to have their hair length. You ain't got to have their shape. You ain't got to play ball. You ain't got to sing. You ain't got to do what they do. If you do art, do art. If you draw, then draw. If you're into science, be science. I just need you to walk in the path that God has for you. Follow the cloud and don't follow the crowd. Last thing uh, that gives me joy on this thing is I need you to know that this journey teaches us the unfailing, unrelenting grace of God. So y'all say, all right, now y'all saying, Pastor, you're taking it too far. Where you see grace in the cloud? Where you see long-suffering in the cloud? Okay. So the word says, let, let me read it one more time in your hearing. Where it says in verse number 22 that he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or night from before the people. All right. Some of y'all still didn't see it. The word says that he did not take away the cloud by day or by night from before the people. In other words, I need y'all to know, saints, you realize that this cloud stayed with them for 40 years and the cloud did not leave until they had crossed over into Canaan. Okay, y'all. <laughs> in other words, the cloud stayed with them in the daytime, stayed with them in the nighttime, and he walked with them all the way until the cloud got them into Canaan. In other words, I need you to know that the cloud didn't show up and leave. It didn't appear and disappear. The cloud was not moody. The cloud was not temperamental. And the cloud did not stay based upon their good or bad behavior. The cloud was willing to hang around not because of their goodness or their badness. The cloud was willing to hang around because he made a covenant with them. In other words, I need you to realize that the cloud stayed with them through 40 years of complaining and rebelling against the Most High God so that the cloud stayed by when they complained at the Red Sea. The cloud stayed by when they complained they had no water. The cloud stayed by when they said the water's too bitter. The cloud didn't leave when they complained about not having meat. The cloud didn't leave when they say we want to go back to Egypt. The cloud stayed there when they took the gold and silver and turned it into a golden calf and, and said these be the gods that brought you out of Egypt. The cloud stood by when there was no water. The cloud stood by when they got to the edge and said we're like grasshoppers. No matter how much they complained, no matter how much they messed up, even when they tried to stone Moses, the cloud still stayed with them. And I need you to know that the cloud was a symbol of God's presence. The cloud was a symbol of how bad godly wants us to be saved so that God stayed with them in their shortcomings because God made it up in his mind that I can't leave them until they cross over to the other side. And can I just talk to anybody that's made some mistakes in your life? You've gone down some wrong roads in your life. You've made some bad choices in your life. I know somebody told you back in the day that when you do wrong, the presence of God leaves you. If you go into a bad place, that God won't stand with you. But how many of us know that the cloud stayed with you when you were in the club? The cloud stayed with you when you were in somebody's bed. The cloud stayed with you when you were putting alcohol in your body. Can anybody praise in the day that the cloud never left you? The cloud never forsook you. The Lord said, I'll be with you always to the very end of the earth. The cloud was a foreshadowing of the promise of Philippians that he which has begun a good work in you shall continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. The cloud foreshadowed. Second John first one, it says, I write these things that you do not sin, but if any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's still covering you in the cloud if you've messed up and God stayed and he hung by and he kept calling your name right there in your living room. Give a praise for the cloud that he never left you and he never forsook you, but he made up in his mind that I'm going to stay with you until you cross over into the land of Canaan.
So I need you to know that when we get over to the other side, I love how Ellen White paints that thing. She said, we get to the other side, we're going to walk down streets of gold. We're going to have crowns on our heads. We're going to be able to see Jesus who we've longed to see. And it's crazy because God rewards us with crowns. But she literally says, we're going to take those crowns and we're going to cast them at his feet. Because we don't know that we're not worthy to wear no crown in his presence. But the only reason we make it over is because Jesus made an unrelenting covenant to do everything in his power to make sure that the cloud got us from this side into our heavenly Canaan. Somebody ought to praise God today. And I don't know about you, I'm just thankful that in the midst of mess, God kept calling my name. When God told me to go right and I went left, he still kept calling my name. When I was in places I should not have been, the cloud still kept calling my name. Like, like, ah, I just remember those days where I just literally would refuse to pray. The clouds still kept calling my name. And I need you to know that even in the midst of of your mess ups last week or last year, or maybe somebody's watching this thing and you, you messed up last night. I need you to know that the cloud is still covering you and that God is still calling your name. Do me a favor, meditate on this song. Then I'm going to come back and make an appeal. I need you to know the cloud is still with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's still calling your name. <laughs> How many times do I go against your will and you forgive me? Oh, 
person who for some time you've been in the valley of decision about your walk with God and I want to appeal to that brother or sister who twofold the reason you can't follow God is because there are some people that have too strong a hold over your heart maybe it is a romantic partner maybe it is a group of friends maybe it is just your family heritage Maybe it's just the neighborhood from which you emerge, but like there comes a point in time where you got to say, I, I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm, I'm going to stop looking at footprints and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm looking to the cloud because I realize that there is salvation nowhere else except for in him. And if that's you today, you want to make it up in your mind to say, especially if you're in Huntsville, you, you want to make it up your mind to be a member of God's church. You want to be in one of the next baptisms. I encourage you to email me at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. And what we'll do is we'll get in touch with you by Tuesday of this week to get you ready for one of the, the next baptisms here at this church. And, and, and maybe you're on YouTube, maybe you're on Facebook. Right there in the comments, there is a link coming up called Typeform. Typeform. If you click on that link, what will happen is it'll usher you to a decision card where you can, you can verify that you want to get in some Bible studies, you want, to get in, you want to get baptized, you want to begin your faith journey, you want to begin moving in a direction where, where the cloud will lead you from this earth to your heavenly Canaan. And I want to say to that person who is just weighed down by the heaviness of guilt, I want to say to that person who just has... You, you wear a smile and a smirk, but you got a lot of shame. You got a lot of unrest. You kind of wonder if you've gone too far. In your heart, you, you wonder if you can be forgiven again. I need you to know that the same way that cloud stood over Israel when they took his silver and gold, fashioned it into a golden calf and said, this is the God that brought you out. And the cloud did not leave them or forsake them. That is the same God. He's seen what you did. He was there when you did it. But he is still trying to push you into the heavenly Canaan. If he's begun a good work in you, he'll continue it. If right now you, you're feeling the stirring of your soul, you're being pricked by the Holy Spirit, See, see, this is the only problem with being at home. Like there's this temptation to say later. It's a temptation to say tomorrow. No, right now. No, so, you know, I'll, I'll just get in touch with the pastor when I see him. Right now. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Right now you're clicking on the link that says type form so that you can make your decision to follow after Jesus Christ. I want to tell somebody God has a plan that's just for you. A plan that's specific to you. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to follow everybody else. You don't have to mimic them. Ordered steps are not for ordinary people. They're for people who are willing to take that different road to blaze the trail, to clear the path, to be the first ones not to follow in the, in the draft of everybody else's progress. Right now I'm praying for you, Father. No, before I pray, right now you're praying for yourself. You're saying, Lord, help me to embrace uniqueness you're saying Lord help me to be convinced that you have a plan just for me 
Help me to not focus on how it feels, but help me to rejoice in what is for me. Stand on the promise that you're going to come out of this better than the way you came in. Right now you're talking to Jesus. You're committing yourself to saying, Lord, I'm going to live a life with my... Somebody else is emailing. Somebody else is making a decision. Somebody else, you're just praying. You're committing. You're committing. And I'm just going to say a brief prayer to close this out today. Father in heaven, I know this wasn't for everyone, but I know it was for somebody. And Lord, I'm praying that that special somebody, that great, the next great disciple, the next great medical missionary, the next great leader, the next great surgeon, that next great musician, the next great writer, that they would hear this word and say, okay, Lord, I realize that there is a path that is, that is different. Everybody else ain't going to go with me. Everybody can't come with me, but I'm willing to follow the cloud more than I follow the crowd. I want to pray for that person that is just not just going through one trial, but they've gone going from one trial to the next, to the next, to the next, and they've not had ease or leisure or a season of rest for quite some time. I pray to God that you to help them to understand that you're, you're not a God of torture, you're a God of development. And help them to focus on not how it feels, but on what it's forming, what it's developing, oh God. And Father, my prayer is that there'll be some guilty soul, some way down center, that they would just be assured of this. That the same way the cloud was committed to staying through Israel through 40 years of what the Bible calls hard-hearted, stiff-necked rebellion. Lord, that you can linger a little while longer and show long suffering to us in our hard-hearted stiff-necked rebellion Lord reassure somebody that if they don't give up on you you will not give up on them help them to hold on and keep marching help them to stay on the sojourn and keep moving until they cross over Lord would you hear us would you bless us may we continue on the journey and finish better than the way we started Thank you that we already don't look like what we've been through. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in the master's name of Jesus. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Give Jesus a praise right there in your living room and your house. Amen, amen. So real quick, um, just want to say a couple things. want to encourage you to make sure that you come back and join us again next week where we're going to continue to lift up Jesus. Invite a family member, tag somebody else, share this message if it's been a blessing to you so that it can help somebody else. And also, just this on a personal note, uh, last week y'all did a great job. It was my mom's birthday. Uh, latter part of this week, it was my dad's birthday. He's right there in the Facebook chat. Larry Snell, do me a free quick favor. Wish him a happy birthday. Uh, we thank God for them. God bless you as we get ready to transition. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.